Please plan to attend either live or virtually next Sunday, December 13th, and watch our mail before details. Thank you. Now let us begin worship. Join me in the call to worship. Let me hear what God the Lord will speak, for he will speak peace to his people, to his faithful, to those who turn to him in their hearts. Surely his salvation is at hand for those who fear him, that his glory may dwell in our land. Watch and wait for Christ's coming. We light candles of hope, peace, joy, and love, remembering the promises of God with prayer. We light this candle in hope. We light this candle for peace. Love and faithfulness meet each other. Righteousness and peace kiss each other. Faithfulness springs forth from the heaven, earth, and righteousness looks down from heaven. Psalm 85, verses 10 and 11. God of hope, God of peace. You speak peace into the world through the way of the Christ child. Help us to live as peacemakers, that we may be called the children of God. God of promise. 
why darkness comes. And now, please meditate on our gathering hymn, O Come, O Come, Emmanuel. you all your sins, 
strengthen you in all goodness, and by the power of the Holy Spirit, keep you in eternal life. Amen. Our Old Testament reading today is from the book of Isaiah, chapter 40, verses 1 through 11. Comfort, O comfort my people, says your God. Speak tenderly to Jerusalem and cry to her that she has served her term, that her penalty is paid, that she has received from the Lord's hand double for all her sins. Her voice cries out, In the wilderness prepare the way of the Lord. Make straight in the desert a highway for our God. Every valley shall be lifted up, and every mountain and hill be made low. The uneven ground shall become level, and the rough places a plain. The glory of the Lord shall be revealed, and all people shall see it together, for the mouth of the Lord has spoken. A voice says, Cry out. And I said, What shall I cry? All the people are grass, their constancy is like the flower of the field. The grass withers, the flower fades, when the breath of the Lord blows upon it. Surely the people are grass. The grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of our God will stand forever. Get you up to a high mountain, O Zion, herald of good tidings. Lift up your voice with strength, O Jerusalem, herald of good tidings. Lift it up, do not fear. Say to the cities of Judah, here is your God. See, the Lord comes with might, and his arm rules for him. His reward is with him, and his recompense before him. him. He will feed his flock like a shepherd. He will gather the lambs in his arms, and carry them in his bosom, and gently lead the mother sheep. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Thank you. 
The skit starts when the ship is sinking in a horrible storm. Jonah tells the crew the storm is his fault because he has disobeyed God. To save themselves, the sailors reluctantly throw him overboard. And the storm stops immediately. I remember the light and the sound effects, the frantic effort to row toward shore to save their lives. I remember the reluctance of the sailors to throw Jonah overboard and Jonah's courage in admitting that he was wrong in the eyes of God. So it shouldn't have surprised me when one Sunday I was sitting in the back row, which most of us do if we can, and I was waiting for the pastor to read the daily scripture, and he didn't get very far. All he said was, and John said, and I nearly jumped out of my seat because a barefoot, barefoot man dressed in a burlap robe, fastened with a leather belt, burst through the doorway, shouting, You grew the vipers who warned you to flee from the wrath to come. Bear fruits worthy of repentance. As he walked up and down the aisle, the man pointed at all the people in the congregation, crying, Do not begin to say to yourselves, We have Abraham as our ancestor. For I tell you, God is able for these stones to raise up children to Abraham. Even now, the axe is lying at the root of the trees. Every tree, therefore, that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. He didn't stop there. On his way back to the back door where I was sitting, he continued, his winnowing fork is in his hand to clear the threshing floor and to gather the wheat into his granary. But the chaff will burn with unquenchable fire. Then the man ran out of the sanctuary and we sat there in shock. You could have heard a pin drop. And the pastor said quietly, Now you know what it is like to be preached to by John the Baptist. Let's face it, John the Baptist makes us uncomfortable. He was strange. He reminds me of the street preachers I've heard in Philadelphia. They always were preaching judgment, hellfire, and brimstone. Demanding passersby accept the gospel of Jesus Christ to avoid burning an eternal fire. Mostly people ignored them or took a long detail, a detour to um, not get in his way. While John the Baptist was also strident and preached judgment, he preached with authority. And he was recognized as the people, by the people, as a prophet sent by God. Um, 
They flocked to him in groves and droves to be baptized as a sign of repentance. He was the opposite of Jonah. He responded faithfully to his call. In fact, John was literally born to his calling, being filled by the Holy Spirit before he was even born. He was the son of Zechariah, a priest in the temple of Jerusalem, and his wife, Elizabeth, who was somehow related to Mary. While serving in the temple sanctuary, Zechariah was visited by Gabriel, the angel, who told him he and Elizabeth would have a son who would be great in the sight of the Lord, turning the people of Judea back to the Lord, preparing them to be ready for the long-awaited coming of the Messiah. Six months later, Mary was also visited by Gabriel, who told her she would give birth to the Son of God. Understanding and overwhelmed by this news, she fled to Judea to visit Elizabeth, who in my mind I think of as an elderly aunt who adored her niece. That's not in the Bible, that's in my mind. As she greeted her kinswoman, the baby John leapt in Elizabeth's womb. She responded with great joy, saying, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. And why has this happened to me, that the mother of my Lord comes to me? For as soon as I heard the sound of your greeting, the child in my womb leaped for joy. And blessed is she who believed that there would be a fulfillment of what was spoken to her by the Lord. Though John was raised in Nazareth, Jesus was raised in Nazareth, and John was raised in Judea, they probably knew each other. They were related. And Mary and Joseph made annual visits to Jerusalem for the Passover festival. We lose touch of both of them after Jesus' memorable visit to the temple when he was 12. How much of the two young men um, knew of their future, their intertwined ministries, we don't know. What we do know is at some point, John recognized his calling and moved to the wilderness valley of the River Jordan. Perhaps he joined one of the Jewish sects which had separated themselves from the greater society which they considered evil. Like John, these groups believed firmly in the coming of the Messiah in personal righteousness, simple living, and baptism as a sign of repentance. Whether John was part of one of these groups or whether he lived a solitary life, we don't know. We do know that he made a big impression when he began this public ministry. In an age where every generation had 
one or two people claiming to be the Messiah, the people who claim came to hear John were full of expectation and hope. They asked him, are you Elijah returned to earth? Are you the promised Messiah? No, John told them, I am not the promised one. I baptize with water, but the one who is more powerful than I is coming. I am not worthy to untie the thong of his sandals. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. Later, John was even more explicit, telling them, I am not the Christ. As he ate locusts and wild honey, as he preached and baptized crowds of people, John also gathered disciples around him. He reminded them of Isaiah's prophecy. See, I am sending my messenger ahead of you, who will prepare your way, the voice of one crying out in the wilderness. Prepare the way of the Lord, make paths his straight. Along with John, these disciples fervently anticipated the Messiah's coming. Then one day, John saw Jesus in the crowd and pointed him out to his disciples, saying, Behold, the Lamb of God. At least two of these, Andrew and John, left that day and followed Jesus. John the Baptist's work was almost done. The crowds from Jerusalem and Judea continued to travel to the wilderness to hear John. In fact, they grew so large that Herod became alarmed that they would turn into a religious and political revolution, drawing Rome's wrath down on their heads. It didn't help that John had publicly condemned Herod when he renounced his first wife to marry his niece. For whatever reason, or for both reasons, John was arrested and thrown into prison. Between that time and his eventual execution, John became distressed, depressed, doubtful. He had been faithful to the best of his ability, but what if he had been wrong? What if Jesus was not the promised one? Somehow, even in prison, John kept in touch with his disciples, and he summoned two of them to ask Jesus, Are you the one who is to come, or are we to wait for another? Jesus said, Go and tell John what you have seen and heard. The blind receive their sight, the lame walk, the lepers are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, the poor have good news brought to them. Jesus then commended John, telling his followers that he was the one foretold when Isaiah said, See, I am sending my messenger ahead of you, who will prepare the way. Hopefully, when John's disciples returned to the jail, 
they were able to reassure him that his life and ministry were not in vain. John was right. Jesus was the promised one. And hopefully John was able to face his execution in peace, knowing that he had faithfully and successfully prepared, uh, fulfilled his calling from God. We traditionally read about John's ministry during the season of Advent, the season where we look toward the birth of the baby Jesus. Some folks will question why it is this. While John's story is memorable, it can be hard to relate it to the birth of Jesus and the Bethlehem stable. But John and Jesus were intimately connected from birth. As a man, John preached that the Messiah would come and then publicly named Jesus to be that man. John lived his life in ex expectation, in anticipation of God's divine kingdom breaking into our earthly world. That expectation was fulfilled in Jesus Christ. Just as John urged the people of Judea to prepare themselves for the Messiah's coming, so should we. The season of Advent, the four weeks before Christmas Day, is a time when we who believe are called to prepare our hearts again to receive Christ. We don't have to travel to the wilderness to do this, but we do it in prayer and introspection. We examine our own readiness for his birth. Just as in Lent we prepare for Jesus' crucifixion, his death and resurrection, Advent is a time we prepare for his birth. Jesus, our faith in Jesus tells us to look forward not only to ministry on earth, but to the time when he will return. We must wait in hopeful expectation that Jesus will return to earth in physical form to complete his ministry. For we live in the already but not yet. We live in that time between the inauguration, the breaking in of history of God's kingdom on earth. Jesus may return tomorrow, or we may have to wait 2,000 years, but he will return. Until then, we live in hope and anticipation of the day when God's kingdom on earth will be fulfilled in full. When was the last time you anticipated something with real passion? Your wedding, the birth of a child, the hope that the mountaineers will win. You want it so bad. You physically yearn for it, waiting for that day with impatience and hopeful expectation. I remember a time when I was almost physically beside myself 
with anticipation. I was about nine years old when I spied the perfect bicycle in the window of the Western Auto Store. It was pink and had a white wicker basket. I thought it was the most beautiful bicycle I had ever seen. I wanted that bike so much. I don't remember what was wrong with the bike I already had. Maybe I had grown it. Maybe it was second hand. I don't know. But I do remember I wanted that pink bicycle with white wicker basket with all my heart. I needed it. I wanted it. And my hope was that I would get it for Christmas. Unlike my neighbor kids who picked out their Christmas presents from the Sears and Roebuck catalog, I had only asked my parents for that bicycle and wait. And asking for it didn't necessarily mean I would get it, because of course children ask for a lot of different things for Christmas. I remember waking up that Christmas morning before anyone else, even my little brother. I got out of bed and tiptoed down the hall to the living room and stood in the door of the living room with my eyes squeezed shut. I was afraid to open them. What if the bike wasn't there? Surely it would be there. Surely I would get that bike, the pink bike with the white wicker basket. I trembled with joyful anticipation and fear as well in case it wouldn't be there. Surely it would be there, I told myself, and I trembled with anticipation and slowly opened my eyes. And there it was, the pink bicycle with the white wicker basket. My joy overflowed. As we prepare for Christmas Day, let's do it with the wonderful anticipation of a child wanting a new life for Christmas. As we look toward Christ's return, let it be full, let us be full of the same joyful anticipation. Let us yearn for a world fully redeemed with God's kingdom on earth fulfilled. A place where we can live in peace and justice and joy. John the Baptist yearned for that day with almost painful intensity. Let us be like him, not with the cavalier robe or the need to eat lotus and wild honey, but equally full of hope and anticipation for the completion of God's kingdom on earth. Amen. Having heard the word of God and my interpretation of Mark 1, let us read quietly or to ourselves, whether we're here or at home, the affirmation of faith, um, which is from the Nicene Creed. We believe in one God, the Father, the Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, of all that is seen and unseen. 
We believe in the one Lord, Jesus Christ, the only Son of God, eternally begotten, of one being with the Father. Through him all things were made. For us and for our salvation he came down from heaven, was incarnate of the Holy Spirit and the Virgin Mary, and became truly human. For our sake he was crucified under Pontius Pilate. He suffered death and was buried. On the third day he rose again in accordance with the scriptures. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again in glory to judge the living and the dead, and his kingdom will have no end. We believe in the Holy Spirit, the Lord, the giver of life, who proceeds from the Father and the Son, who with the Father and the Son is worshiped and glorified, who has spoken through the prophets, we believe in one Catholic and Apostolic Church. We acknowledge one baptism for the forgiveness of sins. We look for the resurrection of the dead and the life of the world to come. Amen. We'll now have music for the offertory for those of you who are here. Um, the that is uh, at the entrance out in the fellowship hall. For those who are not here, you can um, give up, you can make an offering to us through the mail or through the internet. So if you have any questions, just call the church office and someone who knows more about computers than I do will explain that that happens. Now let's hear the music the auditorium. Let's say a prayer of dedication. O oh Lord, we thank you for your many gifts to us, the gift of life, of love, of family and congregation and community. We thank you for the calling to which you have called us, to minister to each other and to our community. In the name of Jesus Christ. May we return to you a portion of all that we have received. Our time, our energy, our prayers, and our financial donations. Use them. Enable us to be wise as we use them to the furtherance of your church and the glory of your God, of you as God. In Jesus' name, amen. The first Sunday of every month, we celebrate communion. And communion is pretty different now than it used to be. I think most of those who were with us today are familiar with the baggie, with um, the whole uh, spring wrap uh, um, element. At home, whether you have the grape juice and the bread, envision in your mind that you were here 
with your community, with your brothers and sisters in Christ. And as we have, we receive the sacramental elements, in your mind, receive them as well. The Lord be with you, and also with you. Lift up your hearts, we lift them to the Lord. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is right to give our thanks and praise. The Lord be with you. Almighty God, we thank you for the gift of your Son, Jesus Christ. Light in darkness, Savior of all, born in a poor place, now ruler of all that is seen and unseen. Lord of lords and King of kings. With people of faith from all times and places, we lift our hearts to you in joyful praise, for you alone are holy. We give thanks for your prophet, John the Baptist, who prepared the way for Jesus' ministry on earth, proclaiming him as your son, the Messiah. We thank you that Jesus lived among us, sharing our joys and sorrows. He healed the sick and was a friend to sinners. Obeying you, he took up his cross and died so that we might live. We trust him to overcome every power to hurt or divide us, so that when you bring your promised kingdom, we will celebrate the victory with you. Remembering the sacrifice of our Lord, we eat this bread and drink this cup, announcing his death for the sins of the world, and sharing the good news of his resurrection to all people. Gracious God, give us your Holy Spirit as we break this bread, that we might be drawn together in loving fellowship, joined to Christ the Lord, and remain his glad and faithful people until we feast with him in glory. Friends, this is the joyful feast of the people of God. People will come from east and west, from north and south, and sit together at table in the kingdom of God. This is the Lord's table. Our Savior invites all those who trust in him to share the feast he has prepared. According to Luke, when our risen Lord was at table with two of his disciples, after their walk together on the road to Emmaus, Jesus took bread and broke it and gave it to them. And suddenly their eyes were opened and they recognized Jesus was with them. May it be so for us today. On the night of his rest, the Lord Jesus took bread and giving thanks to God, he broke it and said, this is my body which is for you. Do this, remember me. In the same way, Jesus took the cup after supper and said, this cup is the new covenant sealed in my blood. Whenever you drink it, 
remember me. Every time we eat this bread and drink this cup, we proclaim the death of the Lord until he comes. In memory of the Last Supper, we break the bread as Jesus did. This is the bread of life. Then Jesus took the cup and pouring it and sharing it, he said, This is the cup of salvation. May the peace of Jesus Christ be with you and yours, reflecting the love of our God. Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit. Amen. We have um, now the prayers of the people. Um, is there anyone here that has a particular prayer request? or a particular joy to share. Thank you, Michael Catherine Coretta. Catherine Coretta. She had a brain tumor removed on Thursday. Oh, wow. Anyone else? Marty Alvis had a terrible bout with the surgery. Marty Ellis, Albus, and He's currently in rehab, I believe, and he just Did I see another hand? We also had the joy of uh, a new minister being nominated, and we will meet him next week. Those of you who are at home, and look at the bulletin where listed people who we know of who are sick, who are in the hospital, who are living isolated in assisted living and nursing homes in this difficult time of pandemic. Please join me now in prayer. God of salvation, you straighten the winding ways of our hearts and smooth the paths made rough by sin. Keep our conduct blameless. Keep our hearts watchful in holiness and bring to perfection the good you have begun in us. We pray, Lord, for each and every member of this congregation that we may have your protection in a time of sickness and fear. We pray for those who 
have lost loved ones. We pray for those recovering. We pray for Marty Alvis in particular, and all the other folks we know who are suffering or recovering from the virus. We pray for Kathleen Karina, who is recovering from surgery to remove a brain tumor. Encourage her with, encourage both of these folks with progress that they can feel and others can see. Encourage them in the midst of sickness. We pray for this congregation that our ministry will continue, that we'll have the creativity to continue to worship and minister to those around us who are in need of the gospel, who are in need of financial help. Let us be available to them. Let us continue the ministry you have given us. And Lord, we pray for the gentleman coming to be nominated as our pastor. And we pray that as we look ahead as a congregation, we do so with hope, knowing that no matter what challenges life may bring, that we will face them with you. We ask these things through him whose coming is certain, whose day draws near, your Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, one God, forever and ever. Together, we pray the prayer he taught us. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we forgive our debtors. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Meditate now on the verse from charge is this, 
as we anticipate the birth of Christ and yearn for his return and glory, be watchful, stand firm in your faith, be courageous and strong, and let all you do be done in Christ's eyes. And may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all, now and forevermore. Amen. Go in God's peace.